Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds, a show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd, Licensed Fishing Guide, and your best friend. Thanks for tuning in this week to the Fish Nerds Podcast. We're excited about this show because today on the show, we're going to do two big things. One, we are going to go back, way back to a few years ago when Dave Kellum and I did the Cold River Radio Show Mother's Day special, a live stage show. I was working at the radio station I work at the other day, WMWV, and we aired this old old episode of the Cold River Radio Show featuring Dave Kellum and Clay Grove from the Fish Nerds. So I thought, man, this is so cool. And I, so I grabbed it off of the server there, dropped it here into my mixing board, and now you get to listen to the Cold River Radio Show with me and Dave. And after that, we're going to talk to the about magnet fishing with Gerald Osina and Scuba Sonia. Find all about the ins and outs of magnet fishing. And the crappie hippie joins me to help unravel the magnet fishing. Of course, we'll do fish in the news after that. And we'll talk about our Patreon subscribers too. But first, let's just jump right into the Cold River Radio Show. And this is my friend Jonathan Sardi puts this together. It's a lot like uh, the Garrison Keeler type shows, a very good variety music show. And this one is featuring Dave Kellum and Clay Groves of the Fish Nerds. Here is the Cold River Radio Show on the Fish Nerds. Um, um, so, so our, our next, next act, act uh, these, these guys, guys got, got their, their start, start right here in uh, Mount Washington Valley, Valley writing a, a nifty little column for the Mountaineer, the old Mountaineer. And uh, it was about their escapades traveling around uh, New England and eating every variety of fish known to man that they could, well, that they could catch in New England, rather. So, hey, let's make them feel welcome, folks, the, uh, the Fish Nerds. So, what is a fish nerd? Well, I tell you, if you are one, you know it. Four years ago, when I was driving up 93, and I was thinking, God, I could leave this earth and not be known for anything. I mean, I'm passionate about my family, but that's about it. You know, I'd be known for the guy that always went to work. So then I thought, well, the other thing is that fish. I've been passionate about fish. All my life, I've been obsessed with fish. And about that time, there was a movie out about the big day or the big count, and it was about bird watching and these people running all over the world trying to see all the birds. And I thought, oh, that's it. I'm going to try to catch all the fish in New Hampshire. And then I thought, well, maybe all the freshwater fish in New Hampshire, and maybe just one of each. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. The other good idea was that I knew I needed another nerd. I needed a crazy nerd that always says yes. So I called Clay. And I said, hey, would you help me catch, in, catch all the freshwater fish in New Hampshire? And he goes, yeah, and let's eat them, too. Because <laughs> I like to eat. He does like to eat. So that's what we did. So tonight, we're going to do a live version of our show for you, a short-form version of our show for you. And because it's Mother's Day, we're going to do a little tribute to mothers. We're going to model this on the mother of all late-night television shows, The David Letterman Show. We're going to give you the top 10 amazing fishy moms list. Yeah, so these are amazing fish 
that in, in their mom form do amazing things. So, number 10. Number 10. Number 10 is the Red Hump Earth Eater. That's a pretty right. good name. She, she puts her money where her mouth is, Dave. <laughs> she does. This mother, God bless her, keeps all her kids in her mouth, right? Uh, so when they lay the eggs, she puts them all in her mouth, and then they hatch in there. Right. And those with kids know, don't put kids anywhere near your mouth. No. It's like the last place you want your kids is in your mouth. Yep. And for two to three weeks, this fish swims around with these kids in her mouth. And boy, that, that's like the best parenting ever. It's like, you know, don't piss me off. I'm going to swallow. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's number 10 on the great, amazing uh, fishy mom. Fish number nine is a fish that people don't think of as a fish. It's a seahorse. Oh, seahorse. Man, that's like... The honeydew list champion for uh, husbands. It really is. And this is honeydew from the very beginning. Uh, when these fish mates, the mother deposits the egg into the male. It's kind of the opposite of what you think. Then they're born inside his pouch, yep. and he literally gives birth to live young. It's like a Mr. Mom. So... That's the seahorse, number yes. nine. So the yeah. seahorse, and he complains and everything. Oh, he walks around going, oh, if, you, <laughs> if only you could give birth, you would understand you know, <laughs> the pain I went through. We better move to number eight. <laughs> number eight is the American eel. So out on the Swift River, which is just right over there, there are American eels swimming around. And they are an amazing mom because that mom that's out there in that ocean, to get her kids to daycare... She's got to swim over a thousand miles. This is the longest commute to daycare for any fish. It's true. Yeah. Every American eel is born in the Sargasso Sea near the Caribbean. So the mom has to swim down the river, meets up with the dad who's been hanging out at the ocean. The dads don't commute to freshwater. They hang out and wait, drink beer, watch sports. Yeah, I think it's Hampton yeah. Beach. Have you seen what happens at Hampton Beach? <laughs> That's why all the male That's, eels. There it is. That's exactly right. <laughs> there it is. So then the females and the males go down, they spawn, they have their kids, and then that's it. They retire in the Caribbean. That's it. So, number seven. This fish is great. The angler fish. <laughs> the angler the fish. The angler fish. These fish live out in the deep, deep ocean. They rarely see other fish, let alone another fish in their own species. Yeah, it's just too much water. Too, too much. much. Water. So when a male uh, angler fish meets a female angler fish, much like when I met my wife, <laughs> he latches on and doesn't let go. Yep. <laughs> She's right Right there. onto the side. Right. In fact, he doesn't let go in the literal sense. He then becomes parasitic, attaches to her permanently because he may never see another fish again. And then whenever she wants to spawn, he's right there ready to go. Like just a big bag of gonads attached to the side of her body. <laughs> yeah. Happy it's anniversary, true. by the way. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Going on 10 years, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good, yes, yes, very good, very good. <laughs> number six, number six is the bluegill, a very familiar fish to us here in New England. It's a sunfish. Right, and this gets the award for the most understanding spouse ever. <laughs> yes. Because bluegill, you see, what happens is bluegill males get big and blue, right? And they build a nest and they defend that nest and they try Very to bring macho them, fish. Very macho fish. Yeah. And they try to bring the females in. But some of these males look at this situation and go, I'm not fighting that guy. I'm going to pull a Bosom Buddies. Do you remember the show Bosom Buddies? So what they do is they actually take on the color of the female. They're cross-dressers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and about 50%, research shows about 50% of the fish that are successfully spawned are from these what they call sneaker males because they sneak in between the big male and the female while they're doing it. They just go, hey, and that's it. And they take the wig off and go, ta-da! 
Good. So that's number six. Yeah, number five. This is the Blue Streak Cleaner Rass. Is it Rass or Race? It's Rassy. I haven't got it right once in practice. We did this 30 times today. I never got it right. So, <laughs> But the Rassy, yes. Rassy, right. This is the, like, who wants to be the dad fish? Yeah, not it. Not it, yeah. Not it. These fish uh, live in the coral reefs down the Caribbean. Uh, large groups of females, like 20, 30 females, one male. Inevitably, the male gets eaten or annoyed and leaves. <laughs> and right. then you're stuck with this harem of females all hanging around. Going, now what are we going to do? Yeah, we need a male. So one of them decides, because only one male in the group decides to become the male, and they physically change sex from female to male and takes on that new role. They just do a sexual switch. Yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah and then somebody gets to be the male for Yay. a while. Yay! <laughs> Go team! <laughs> <laughs> The next one on the list, we're up to number four already. We are cooking along. On the along. top ten fishiest mothers in the world. This one's the white sucker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> white suckers are, once again, right around us right now. They're in streams spawning. And I tell you, those mothers, they know how to do it. You they know are, how they're doing it? They are doing it menage a trois style. Yes, they are. Because <laughs> they're French. <laughs> white suckers... Uh, are big fish, and the females are bigger than the, than the two males. Yeah. It's a radio and, show. They're like two feet long. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. They're showing with his hands. I know. Well, fishermen always do that, right? Yeah. And uh, the, uh, the females are bigger, and then they usually spawn with two males, and usually younger males, or often younger males, so it's a very cuckoo-choo kind of moment, <laughs> yeah. you know, very graduate. Yeah. By the way, uh, inc- incidentally, I don't, I've never seen the graduate, so yeah, joke does that not joke. work for me, and she didn't see it either. I know. So, she didn't laugh either. Uh, this is the only fish in New Hampshire you can spear. So if you get a chance, go out and kill one you can. Um, <laughs> the next fish uh, is the clownfish. Number three on the list. Number three. You've seen Finding Nemo. Yep. Uh, and like most Disney movies, they got this wrong. Yeah, they lied to you. If they used real science in this movie, it would be the worst Disney movie ever. <laughs> ever. Uh, the way a clownfish works is the male and female mate for life. They're monogamous fish. They pick one mate and they stay together forever. Which is very nice. Yeah. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah, beautiful thing. Uh, But invariably, they're fish and things eat them like a barracuda. Right. That's what happened in the movie. Exactly. So that part got right. Mom mom gets eaten. That always happens. (laughs) Always. And what happens in real life is at this point, dad then becomes a female. Not just acting as a mother, changing physically into a female, finds a new mate, and they make new babies. Little Nemo, when he gets lost, he'd just be gone. That's it. So poor Nemo. Right. <laughs> so, so all you couples out there, you know, if, uh, if your wife goes away, you got to be shopping for a size 10, guys, yeah. you know, in, in a dress. Good job, Bruce. Yeah, so you, gotta, yeah. you just got to take, take that on. Number two. We're already to number that. two. <laughs> number two. We're number two. An amazing fishy. Um, this one, by the way, did you hear about the new, uh, the new book out? 10,000 10, lechy leagues under this? 10,000 lechy leagues under the sea. Le- I'm going to help you yes. with that. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah. It's a breastfeeding joke. That's what we're trying to do. We should uh, not be allowed to make those kind of jokes. No. We're just going for it is right. what we're doing. We're on um, stage. There's a fish called a discus fish. All right? And pretty much it's the only breastfeeding fish in the world. <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. really have breasts. No. No. No, because that'd be no. silly. Um, <laughs> 
but they have, they have slime on the outside of their bodies that actually has the same properties, pretty much, as mammalian breast milk. Right, and the, and the young fish actually swim up to the mother, and they lick the slime, and the dads do this. What am I supposed to look at? I don't know the rules. And they I'm really uncomfortable. Up. I'm really yeah. uncomfortable. I don't know what to do. I, I don't, don't know, know what to do. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. That's the discus. Yeah. Where's and the number one, top ten... Is the engineer Gobi? <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! Yes, the engineer Gobi. Didn't you expect it to be the engineer Gobi? Yes, of course. They were waiting for it, Dave. Now, this mom and dad, frankly, have got it completely figured out. Uh, what happens is an engineer Gobi is a reef fish, mm-hmm. and when they become adults, they dig this tunnel, this really great tunnel. Right. Hang on for a second. Yes. If you're not taking notes, parents, if your parents in the room, take notes here. This is really important. This coming is. Because yeah. this is a life lesson that nature yeah. has figured out. So the, uh, the male and the female build this big cave, and then they have their kids. And then their kids go off into the world, but then the parents never leave the cave. They don't have to. Because they, they have cable, Dave. I know, they, they just sit, yeah. sit in their little fishy pajamas and never move. Never. Because the kids go out, eat, and then they come back every night. With food. <laughs> they bring mom and With dad food. food. I know, they figured yeah. it out. Yeah. They figured out how to make kids useful. Finally useful kids, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it, Dave. So that is it. You've listened for about 10 minutes. Thank you, thank you. We're not done yet. This is the big finish. This is the big finish. This is how we close our show every time. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. You've listened for about 10 minutes or so when you could have been doing something else. Thank you. We would like to thank John Sarti for uh, inviting us on. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. We'd like to thank our wives for putting up with us and the whole fishiness yep. and being excellent mothers to our children. So right. very good. So, until next time, follow the code of the fish nerd, spawn early and often. Avoid free lunches with strings attached. And swim against the current every chance you get. Thank you. Oh, we're playing some happy music because I'm in a happy mood. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> well, hope you're having a good time so far. That Cold River Radio show was a lot of fun. We haven't done a live show in a long time. I got to get back on stage again. Hopefully when COVID's over, we can do it. So now we're going to jump into our conversation with uh, about magnet fishing with Sonia Scuba, <laughs> Scuba Sonia and Gerald Osina. Gerald, oh, Gerald is a Facebook fan. And Scuba Sonia, we just met recently. And this is Crappy Hippie's idea to do this interview. Uh, good news is this interview went on for quite a long time, about an hour and a half. I edited it down to about 30 minutes of what I thought was its best parts. But if you are a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com slash fishnerds, at any dollar amount, you can access the entire interview there. I'm going to start doing that from now on when I do interviews. I'll edit them down for the show. And I'll give you the raw stuff as bonus material at patreon.com slash fishnerds. Incidentally, the Patreon subscribers, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you bought our new mixing board, so now I can add the music in. This what you're hearing. I, mix, I used to have to mix the music in after, in post-production, and this new mixing board probably saves me three to six hours a week on work. So, yeah. Hooray! Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See? 
all kinds of fun effects we can play with. I'm learning how to use it still. I struggle with it, but it's going to be a lot of fun once we get it all figured out. Anyway, without further ado, let's learn all about magnet fishing. Hey, everybody, this is Crappie Hippie, your tree hugging redneck from Eastern Kansas. And we're starting a new segment on the show called Fish Nerd Nation Insider. And we've got two lovely ladies here with us tonight. We're going to talk about some magnet fishing. We have Gerald Orsino, who is a Facebook. Uh, a Facebook fish nerd group, a fish nerd Facebook group regular, and her friend Scuba Sonia, an up and coming YouTuber. Um, they've done some magnet fishing. I watched the video, I loved it. Uh, had to get her on the show. So, uh, we're going to talk all about magnet fishing. It's a thing that's taken off. Uh, some of the uh, animal rights people think we can, you know, uh, substitute this for regular fishing. We'll, we, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But right now, let's just I've got people asking me, you know, what do I do? How do I get into magnet fishing? Um, so let's just start off with the 101 basics. Um, uh, how did you guys get into it? Um, tell me about the setup. Let's talk about the setup first. Um, you know, what do you want? What do you need to do to go magnet fishing? Um, so I, I found out about it actually through YouTube and um, everybody has like different uh, philosophies about how, how big the magnet is to start. But, um, I was watching some of the other YouTubers and I, I grabbed, I think the first magnet I got was like a 400 pound pull magnet. And, um, once I tried it, like I just got like totally hooked on it and then bought like way too many magnets. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> It's um, no problem, no problem. After what we've been through, I don't care what happens. <laughs> We're going to get this done. <clears throat> All right, so a 400-pound pull magnet. So when I heard you on the video talking about a 600 or 1,200, that's how many pounds that magnet will actually hold? I think, so I don't quote me on this, but I think when they test them, uh, they basically pull them uh, with like a a, a scale type thing um connected to it and then it pulls it until basically it disengages and whatever poundage that it's at um that's what they grade it at i guess so yeah, just, it, go ahead sonia just one thing to note on that that's tested on i think it's half inch steel so it's not going to catch 1200 pounds of um something lightweight that isn't going to hook as well so that's something to keep in mind. Um, so if there was like a 400-pound guy with a steel plate in his head, I could attach <laughs> that and pull him around. But if it was plastic or tin or something, I could not. Possibly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try it, but maybe. Okay. Well, That's um, hilarious. I'm, I'm just getting ideas here. All right. So... <laughs> I, all right, let's talk about the type of magnets because you had some really cool magnets. You had uh, single-sided, double-sided, and you have uh, the magnet uh, position. You've got some that, that lay flat, like a padlock kind of look, and then you have that really cool one that looks like the kind that goes on a crane to scrap uh, metal and so forth. Um, talk to us about that a little bit. You want to take it, Sonia? You want me to? You can take it. Okay. All right. So the, the one that looks like the crane where like, uh, you know, like that picks up the cars and stuff, that one's called like a dipping magnet. So that's really great for like walking around uh, a dock or, or bridge and kind of just 
bobbing it up and down on the bottom of the of the whatever body of water you're at and uh it pretty much just picks up everything as you go along the other magnet which is the double-sided magnet is really great for throwing uh so if you throw that throw it out yep that's what clay's got yep so if you throw that out there you have less of a chance of it um maybe getting stuck mm -hmm. and then also uh picking up stuff on both sides as you pull it on the bottom of whatever body of water that you're uh you're in Okay, so we got two styles. We've got the, the, the throwing style, and we have the vertical uh, drop style. Um, so kind of like a jig. Go ahead, Sonia. Oftentimes, it actually comes as a double-sided magnet, and you, you get two of those loops. So you have the choice of making it a single-sided or a double-sided. Okay. All right, good to know. I'm just thinking, like, a thrower is more like a crankbait, and the dropper is more like, Jig fishing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, okay. So um, rope. What are we talking about rope? What do, we, what do we need here in terms of rope? So um, I've tried a couple of different ones. Sometimes when you order the magnet, the company will send you a rope. A lot of times you'll get like paracord, uh, which is like pretty thin. But actually, Sonia and I were doing some research and we found on Amazon that there's a couple of stores that sell uh, thicker rope. So I guess the bigger the magnet you are, the thicker the rope you have. It has like the cotton inside. Um, you know, it really, I guess it just depends on how, how large the magnet is because Sonia just got one that's like huge. So she got <laughs> like a thicker rope to, to make sure that she doesn't lose it, you know? Yeah. And I originally got uh, this one rope from Home Depot, which was rated for, rated pretty well. I think it was like 380 pounds or something. But when I actually cut it, you can see that the inside was almost like a, a cotton versus actual additional, um, I don't know how do you call it, but basically Braid. layers of, well, yes, the outside was braided, but the inside was almost like a cotton gauze like, versus a new rope that I got, which had like eight different additional. Yeah, like fibers in, on the inside, right? Yeah, and I had mm -hmm. to switch because I'm not going to lose a 2,600-pound magnet um, on my first throw just because my rope snaps. Well, let's get into that because talking about these magnets, sorry, John, I'm jumping in. Uh, <laughs> talking about these magnets, what do they cost? Are you getting into it brand new? I want to get a... That was my next question. You know, thanks a lot, man. <laughs> you want to get a 400 pound? Well, get to it, John. Really obvious question, okay? Go ahead and ask it, John. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, girls, please. Um, well, so there's a variety of different ones. There's a lot of different brands, a lot of different strengths. I've seen magnets for $30, $35 that are probably five or 600 pounds, which is perfectly fine for a starter magnet. Um, but then there's also magnets that are $90 up to or over $200. And it really depends on your budget. But, um, you know, sometimes you get what you pay for. Well, that, yeah, that would be my, ne my next question. I mean, on price point, you know, it, uh, there's always diminishing returns. And, um, you know, you, you go for the Yeti of magnets. That seems to be the, like the standard thing to say now for quality. Um, it used to be like the Rolex of magnets or the uh, Airstream of magnets or whatever. But, but uh, like Clay will tell you about microphones. He's like, you know, you, you start going more and more money and you hit a point where you're just paying for a name. Mm -hmm. Is there any like right. name brand that we should look for or not look for? Uh, is, is it really worth it to, you know, if I lost a $200 magnet, 
you would hear me scream all the way across Newark. I mean, completely. <laughs> um, I'm so right there you, with you. Yeah. So what, what's your feeling on that? I mean, as far as the magnet um, companies, uh, like we're not really like attached to anyone in particular, but uh, I've used. You're not uh, sponsored yet? <laughs> well, we we do have we do have somebody like one of the magnet companies that's been really uh, good to us. Um, but at the same time, like uh, we've gotten magnets from, I think a lot of them come from China. So there's like Wukong. There's um, there's uh, there's so many different brands, and then there's a lot of just like no brand ones. So uh, we've, we also used uh, muscular magnetics. And um, what other ones are out there, Sonia? Um, well, there's Wukong. Wukong is pretty popular. That's one of the lower price ranged ones. I haven't tried any, so I can't say how good or bad they are. But, I think um, I, that's my double-sided, the one yeah. that, yeah, is a Wukong, yeah. And it's done pretty well. And then you have muscular magnetics, which we also use. That's the one that I recently got. It's 20 it was 2,625 pounds, um, and it did pretty well. It caught on to some heavy stuff this past weekend. And so that was a really great magnet. That one is ran about $90. Um, and then there's uh, a lot of UK brand, brands. Um, there's a few YouTubers that use that brand. It's called Magnetar, I think. And those are the more pricey ones. So that one runs closer to 200 to 25 if you're shipping to the U.S. Yeah, and just so also, too, the double-sided magnets. So yours is, what, 25? What is 2,600, it? Uh, so it's about 1,300 per side. Yeah, so you have to split the, the pulls uh, on okay. each side. But the one-sided ones, obviously, uh, you know, whatever it says, if it's 1,500 or 1,200, uh, it's for the one particular side. Okay, so now, okay, so double-sided, got to split it. Uh, Single-sided, of course, it, it's all going in the in the same direction. Uh, let me get back to rope here just real quick because I went white bass fishing earlier this year with uh, Jeff Donaldson, our effing librarian, and we had to use rope to get up and down uh, some of the steep banks at the creek. And um, he um, actually went into tears because I brought a cheap nylon rope that I used for my anchor. And he said it was really abusive to his hands. And if I didn't yeah. bring better rope, he wasn't going to fish with me anymore. Um, so is there, uh, you said paracord is what you guys like? It, is it gentle to your hands? Because I'm sorry, I'm, I'm delicate and, and, and uh, I need something nice. Well, for starters, you want to wear gloves. You don't want yes. to be walking. You don't want to touch that water um, if you don't have to. And they're in New Jersey, you have yeah. Uh, they don't touch the water there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you need a good Certain grip. Bodies. Yeah, when we were pulling up a bike, grip was a huge problem because we had it, the rope was a plasticky, almost polyester type thing. And if you don't have that grip wearing gloves or based on the fibers in the rope, you're going to have a hard time pulling anything out. But I think the most of the ropes that we have are like cotton on the outside. So like they're not too abrasive. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. Cause so when I go to buy the rope, I need to take my gloves with me to home Depot or wherever, uh, get kind of a feel. Um, and then of course it's going to be wet, which is another thing. Um, you know, worry about, uh, water degradation on there and so on, but you've brilliantly segued into the next question, which is about, safety because yes i love the video 
Love what you were pulling up. Love what you've been posting on the face, uh, the Fish Nerd Facebook group. But wow, yucky. Really yucky. So let's talk <laughs> about safety stuff and, and the safest way to get some of those items off that magnet. Um, so I personally wear rubber gloves underneath another pair of like work gloves. So, and the reason why I do that here is there's a lot of oil in the water. So, you know, uh, you know, that grease smell that your hands get from like touching like grease, uh, <laughs> that helps, that helps, uh, not have your hands smell so bad afterwards. Um, but yeah, as far as safety goes, I mean, you have to be careful. You always check around your environment. Look, make sure that you're in a safe place. Uh, also, uh, you know, don't fish anywhere where it says private property or, or, uh, you know, um, no loitering or anything like that, but. Oh, can't you just go at night? Yeah. Yeah. That too. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, as far as safety stuff, I think the gloves are, are definitely, uh, probably your biggest, um, item that you really should have and they do get wet and it does get gross. And, um, yeah, there's like whole ecosystems that are living on these items that we pull up. Um, <laughs> there's barnacles, there's weird jelly looking things. There's, um, a lot of gross mud and it's pretty disgusting and it smells. <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of like between my toes sometimes it's just, it's awful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be like that. But what else can you think of, Sonia, like safety um, reasons? I would safety say things. for one is being careful with people who are around you. So you don't want to whack somebody with this magnet. It, <laughs> is, it is heavy and it'll cause some damage. So definitely being careful how and where you're throwing the magnet. Um, also, if you're using a grappling hook, as we saw this past weekend, Gerald, do not leave it on the floor because if you step on it, it will pierce your shoe. So yes. be careful to hang up your grappling hook if you're using that. Um, and just be careful pulling stuff off of the magnet. You pick up a lot of hooks and stuff. So always take a look before just blindly pulling things off. A lot of people suggest having like an ice scraper to do that for you so you don't have to worry about it. Um, and just being, you know, kind of having common sense. We keep a carabiner on the end of our magnet fishing rope and we attach it to whatever bridge or something that we're working off of or worst case scenario, you can attach it to yourself because otherwise when you throw that magnet, the whole rope might go with it. So Smart. always well, secure that. <laughs> I see Clay nodding his head. Yeah. 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 Rule well, John, number one. John, you didn't hear earlier. We were talking now before you got here. Uh, that I last year bought a magnet and I put it on my pontoon boat thinking I'd do some, some <laughs> magnet fishing in Silver Lake and I lost it. So on my boat somewhere is a probably a hundred pound magnet just hiding in place, <laughs> stuck under something. And I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I stuck into something thinking I'll never forget where that is. And I immediately forgot <laughs> where that was. So I had to buy a new one this year. Now it's, it's remarkable to meet Gerald and Sonia is I, I get, a little spoiled here in New Hampshire. We have water that's crystal clear. You know, that you can, like, just looking at the color difference in these waters, like, so you're throwing blindly. You have no idea what's down there. You're just tossing it into the mud and hoping. Yeah, unless the tide is going down, which it does sometimes, and you can see a little bit more over the course of the day. But, yeah, it's 
mucky waters. Yeah, yeah I mean so- there are some clear there are some clear bodies of water here, but we found most of the stuff that we found in the Hackensack River, which is pretty disgusting. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we always say fishing is an act of hope. It's a positive action, right? You wouldn't fish if you weren't hoping to get something really, really cool. Now, without telling us what you've caught yet, what is something that you really want to catch? I would love to catch um, a gun, any sort of weapon. I just think it's nasty. I, I just think it's cool. I'm sorry. I think it's cool. Um, but I also scuba dive and I want to be able to find stuff like that underwater in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but you never know what you're going to pull up and you might be the person to find a piece of a, a crime and solve something. So I think that's really cool. Gerald. Um, Knives. Um, people have pulled up grenades. Awesome. Uh, I you don't know, want that. Some World War II kind of stuff. Um I mean, when I think of something that I really want to pull up, I, I mean, I think I'm just, I'm just excited even if I pull up a washer, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, um, like you said, it's really cool. You're like throwing this thing into the water. You're not knowing what you're going to get. And um, it's exciting every time you pull the magnet out. You're like, oh, what's this? What did I get? Oh, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really, I don't know if I have like a... No like hopes, a, no dreams. Yeah, I, well, I mean... I, <laughs> no, they got dreams. They got dreams. In the video, they, they, they find a safe, and, and they're both like, what's in that safe? <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. somebody already got the billion dollars out of yep. it. Yeah. I think the appeal in the hobby comes from that, just not knowing what you're going to pull up, and the anticipation, and just kind of guessing what's going to be next. I don't think anybody really goes magnet fishing in hopes of finding anything crazy. You're not going to find gold or silver because you're not magnetic. Um so it's really just about having fun and the excitement of not knowing what you're going to find. Yeah, you know, I want to roll back just a second because, like, um, usually when Clay loses an object over the side of the boat, whether it's a prop, an <laughs> anchor, uh, a pier block, uh, whatever it is, he Dude. sends one of his kids in to try to yeah. get it. Um, I'm not sure I want Clay magnet fishing with Zoe. I- I'm not sure <laughs> that, you know, conflict is going to um, enhance their relationship. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, John. So Zoe loves fishing, but Sammy does not love fishing. But she loves magnet fishing. Like oh to wow! Her, this is very appealing. That's so, great, fantastic. Yeah, something for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, gotta okay. find a dirty body of water. I fish in too clean of a watershed. I, I can't find stuff. <laughs> well, you'll yeah, still yeah. find stuff. There's a lot under the mud that, yeah. if you have a strong enough magnet, it's going to pull that out. Wow! Wow! Fantastic. Um, it, it does. It looks great. And, uh, I, you know, I have that same typical question. Um, what do you, um, okay. We've covered like, what, what do you, um, dream of catching, but I Gerald has had posted some really cool stuff. She has mm-hmm. caught and, um, uh, some things that did need to go to the police department just in case Gerald talked to us about that. Oh yeah. So, Um, Probably like a few weeks after I started magnet magnet fishing, I took my nephews out to a local park that's uh, in my town. And um, we were joking. I was joking with my brother. He's like, well, what do you do this for? You know, I'm like, oh, you pull stuff out, whatever. So uh, like the first or second throw that I throw into the water, I pull out like a hundred year old flintlock um, rifle. Yeah. 
Um, the barrel was gone, uh, but the the whole um, I don't know much about guns, but what's the back part called? The the stock. Uh, the stock, yeah. So I pulled out the stock, and um, was the lock yeah. on it? That's the, uh, that's the thing you cock back. Yes, I think that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if I remember, uh, the lock was on it. Um, so that's probably then, like a more of a cold case item. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, who knows, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it could be a, it definitely be a cold case. item. And then the same day, uh, a few throws later, I pulled out a, a sawed off shotgun that kind of looked like something that would be in a Mad Max movie. And uh, yeah. so my seven year old nephew was with me. And uh, we called the police and they came and, and they took them. I, I regret now because really I've never really been around guns or anything. So I should have kept the flintlock. I, did, I didn't know. Yes. I, I, sh I didn't know anything about it, but um, you know, my nephew was with me. We did the right thing and I feel good about that. So <laughs> well, did you ever hear back about that? No, you know, I, I did try and contact the police department once after that. And then, um, but I didn't hear back. Uh, but then uh, I guess a couple of, uh, maybe a week or two later, a week, a week later, I decided to go magna fishing. It was dark out cause it was still like winter time. And I found, uh, a, uh, a handgun, um, that was like a military issue. It was in really good shape. It still was loaded. Um, uh, so then it was late at night when I pulled that out and I was so nervous about it. So I put it in my five gallon bucket put it in the back of my truck and the next morning the first thing i drove to the police station and i um i turned it in and they were grateful so gerald just has that kind of luck <laughs> the, other, the other day we spent oh, most of the day fishing and we got some good stuff but we went to a new spot the first dunk in the water not even a throw the first dunk in the water and and she pulled up the the basically the first find of the day so she just has that kind of luck <laughs> Yeah, this is full on skill. <laughs> and you know what? We're probably going to get hated on from other magnet fishers because we're just, we just do it like we love doing it. We love cleaning up the environment. You know, I, I'm very new to it. I'm also a very new fisher. Like, this will be my second summer of fishing, uh, you know, conventional fishing. So, um, to have the the opportunity and the experiences that I've had so far, I think a lot of people would have been waiting like years and years and years. And I literally yep. go out like a week into my magnet fishing, uh, you know, uh, journey and I pull out three guns within two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you got it, you got it. I mean, it, yep. it, hey, you know, what can I say? I'm a jack of all asses. <laughs> <laughs> you are the magnet, Gerald. <laughs> yeah, I am the magnet. Be well, the magnet. Be the magnet. Be the magnet. That, that is fascinating. Um, but to, let's talk about the five-gallon bucket. And you guys pulled up some big stuff in the video, bicycles. Um, when you said washer before, I didn't know if you meant just a little round thing with the hole in it to spin uh, bolts or if you maybe wanted to find a washing machine but what is, what is the trip on that because i personally don't expect you to clean the river i i do you take everything away or yeah, do you throw some stuff back no so we we <laughs> we pull everything out um usually we'll leave it by a garbage can if we if it doesn't fit inside the garbage can and generally state park 
patrol or whoever takes care of the park or whatever area we're in will take that and dump it in the appropriate place. Um, we don't toss anything back unless it's like something that we just can't pull out. Um, we just, you know, we try to clean up whatever body of water we're in as best we can. And we try to, or at least I try, yeah, we try to encourage people to do the same because I'm a scuba diver also. I really care about our waterways and um, oh, really oh, scuba Sonia, me. now I'm getting it. I'm catching up. <laughs> yeah. I got it. There we go. That connection Thank you. Is okay. Made. No, it's okay. I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah, so it's just really important to me. So it's great to be able to get out with Gerald and, and actually do something in our local area. And it's just a, a, a great way to combine a fun hobby while still doing something good for the environment. Wow, that is amazing. That is fantastic. That is what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk a little YouTube? Sonia, yeah. that's your deal. Because, sure. Sonia, I'm just looking at your <laughs> channel here, which is Scuba Sonia. Sorry, I'm hijacking John. Uh, and I'm, and notice you only have about, you know, what, one, two, three, four, five, six videos up. And the, three months ago, your, your video, you know, you're getting 200 views, 275 views, whatever maybe 600 views a month after that. And then this magnet fishing one has gone viral on you. It's you're at <laughs> 33,000 views in the past two weeks. Awesome. What the hell happened? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, honestly, I think. Gerald happened people, to you. That's what happened. Gerald happened. <laughs> Gerald, Gerald and I make a really great team for beginner, mm -hmm. for start. But also, I think people on YouTube are looking for entertainment. They're looking mm -hmm. to have a good time. They're, especially now, every, there's so much going on. People want to have a positive time, laugh a little bit. And Gerald and I are just fools. So I think people are just enjoying the fact that we're having a really great time. There's no way you can watch that video and not smile through it. There's right. just too much silly stuff going on, and I think people are just genuinely enjoying it. And, well, that's and you've how it's nailed spreading. you've nailed the headline writing, and I learned this with <laughs> podcasting too. Like if, if you write out a podcast, is we opened up a fishing lure box, and you wouldn't believe what we just found. And your your title is first time magnet fishing, can't believe what we found. Dot dot dot. And it was like, oh, I want to see what they found. <laughs> uh, so you have that intrigue to get in there. Your personalities keep them there. But congratulations, that, that's, that's tremendous for this early on in your YouTube career. Are you going to uh, quit your job and become a full-time YouTuber? <laughs> Not quite yet. Um, honestly, <laughs> the reason I created the channel um, actually is because I do a lot of uh, metal detecting and diving, and it's one way where I can sort of capture everything that's happening. How do you go about picking a magnet fishing spot? I, I know when I walk out, to a pond or to a lake or on a stream. I, I can look around. I don't, you know, I, I don't mind the electronics and locators and sounders and all this kind of stuff, but you know, good old boy like me, I can just kind of look around and say, Oh, that's probably a good spot. That's probably a good spot. How do I pick a magnet fishing spot? Let's hear about it. Daryl. Yeah. I mean, uh, so very similar to fishing, you know, how you kind of have that radar going all the time where you're driving and you're like, Oh, there's a body of water. There's something, there's something. So that's part of it. Driving around local, seeing what's going on. Um, and then we use Google earth a lot. So we will like look and see through Google earth. Like we'll just kind of fly down a river and see where there might be some docks or, uh, even some smaller, 
trestles or we were just doing some research on an old uh, canal that's um, in New Jersey that runs from the Hackensack, right? I think from the Hackensack River all the way up to Phillipsburg, which is like way up there. Um, so yeah, we do, we do some research. Uh, so there's a lot of cool spots and sometimes you're just driving somewhere. You might see a little overpass or something. So um, we're always looking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Sonia, I know Gerald loves to fish and she's such a, an amazing auntie. She, she takes the, the nephews fishing. Mm-hmm. Do you like to fish or, or spear fish or any of that? I've never been spear fishing. I do like to fish, but I'll be honest, I haven't been fishing probably in a decade. Do you have a dream destination to go magnet fish? All, all fishers, you know, oh, I want to go fish, you know, I want to go fish here. I want to go fish there somewhere. We all got our bucket list of places we want to go. Is there a, are you, either one of you working up a list of where you want to go? You know, uh, I, I mean, besides coming to see me, which is, which is totally down. We're all, yeah, we're, totally. I mean, I don't really have a list because I, it's, there's like so much, space here and stuff to look at just in New Jersey alone. Like Sonia lives in an area where this is park and uh, I, I'm really, I really would like to go there to, to magnet fish because it's kind of like a man-made uh, lake or something. People fish there, but I've heard some sketchy stories about things that are in that water. So maybe that would be like one place, but as far as like a destination, I don't know. Um, I never really actually thought about that. We have this uh, park, real famous Kansas City Park called Swope Park. And Swope Park Lagoon was famous for having bodies and cars and mafia hit victims and so forth. It used to be the criminal dumping ground. So, like, if you come to see me, we're going over to Swope Park Lagoon. Oh, yeah. that Okay, so that's my answer right there. <laughs> that spot is my, is my uh, dream destination. Yeah, I mean, somebody actually commented on on my video telling me that I don't want to go to Illinois to magnet fish the canal because I'm going to find so many stolen cars and and all these things. And I'm like, that's just going to make me want to go even more. Uh, So (laughs) anywhere I can find some some really cool stuff, um, I'm totally up for it. The more junk there is, the better. When you latch that 1,300-pound magnet to something you can't pull out, what do you do? You get Gerald's truck and you pull it off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have, I have lost a magnet. um, And I think probably on some kind of crazy beam or something. Um, So yeah, if you get attached to something like if you have um, like when, when you pull the magnet through the water, you get a lot of crunchy little pieces of steel and, rust and whatever but if your magnet is clean and it gets hooked onto something and flat on something oh it's almost impossible to get off or if you have another angle that you could pull the rope from like if you're not up on a bridge and stuck there if you can get down on the on the bank and pull it from a different direction there's a good chance you would get it out also well all i can say is uh thank you all for coming on thank you so much john yeah thanks clay Yeah, and we love the podcast. Like, I, I love it. I, I haven't had a chance to listen to lately, but um, it definitely, I, when I'm in my car driving, I, I, I think it's awesome. And, and um, hopefully from this, too, you get, we'll get you some, new, some more listeners, too. You've got one right oh. here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And, and I sub to your uh, your channel, Sonia. Oh, thank you, Clay. You're getting me one step closer to one thousand. Everybody loves the fish in the news. I'm happy to be doing the news for you today. Got a few good stories for you. We'll start jumping right in here. The first story is from WebMD, and the headline is, Sharks could be harvested for COVID-19 vaccines. Sounds terrible. So this is one of those kind of stories I struggle with, because this is where you need to decide <laughs> where, where your values are and where they really are. And this is, really a, this is a hard one for you. So let me read it to you, and we'll talk about it as we go. This is just re very, very recent. About half a million sharks could be killed to harvest squalene, a natural oil used in vaccines to create a coronavirus-related vaccines. This is according to several wildlife experts. Squalene is an ingredient in the vaccine candidates. It's made from shark's liver. It's sometimes used to increase the effectiveness of a vaccine by creating stronger immune responses and has been incorporated in some current flu vaccines. Uh, and this is, this is a scary thing here. Listen to these numbers. If... If they can figure out how to get a vaccine that's a single dose, that means we each take it one time, that means 250,000 sharks would need to be killed to create that vaccine. Uh, and now if we need two doses, which means we get a shot and then a couple months later we get another shot, it's going to be double that, 500,000 sharks. And the article doesn't say what kind of sharks uh, they're talking about here, but uh, either way, that's a lot of sharks to die. But on the other hand, if that can save human lives, is it worth it? That's the question we need to be digging in on ourselves here. And what, what the <clears throat> what the article doesn't say uh, is what the how well the alternatives work. They're all alternatives to it. Uh, Sugarcane, olive oil, yeast, or bacteria can work as well. They're more expensive and they take a longer time to extract. But do they work as well? And the article does not explain that because my vote is if they work as well then maybe we don't kill all the sharks. <laughs> if they don't work as well, then we need to make that hard choice of which sharks die. Are they the sharks that bother you most? The sharks that made people sing the baby shark song? Is it uh, Jaws? Which shark <laughs> has to go first? I have no idea the answer to this question, but it's a tough one. Coronavirus is terrible. It's crippled our economy, cost a lot of us jobs, a lot of our health. Uh, so I don't know. I have no answer. This... <laughs> This article goes nowhere for me, but uh, I, I think uh, you can go to change.org and you can sign a petition if you want to save the sharks. That's where I'm going to be, but you make up your own mind on what's best for you. Now, let's get into some real important news. This is, this is the big time here. This is, uh, <clears throat> this is from MassiveSci.com, and the headline reads, 100 million year old giant sperm discovered in Cretaceous crustacean. That is a fun headline to read. Uh-oh. If I'm talking about sperm, that means I'm talking about sex. Let's try this. Everyone, it seems, wants to get more fish in the world. It's up to you and me, girl. Come on. There's only one way we're gonna get Oh, yeah. I'll leave that on for a little bit here. 
ostracods are tiny crustaceans that have existed for almost 500 million years. That's right. I said ostracods, and I said it properly. Thank you. Thank you. That's okay. Settle down. Settle down. Settle down. All right. Also known as seed shrimp. Seed shrimp. Uh, these organisms are covered by a hard shell that tends to fossilize easily, allowing scientists to piece together a detailed picture of their very long life or long history. Excuse me. While hard parts of animals like bones and shells preserve well, soft organs don't. Fluids especially rare, making it difficult to learn about aspects of the life we can't see. A team of scientists recently uncovered a cache of ancient ostracods with many of these soft physical elements intact. And uh, this is from Myanmar. Uh, and they found a chunk of amber that's 100 million years old with 39 ostracods present, uh, 31 belonging to a new species with a, t- a team named Myanmar Cypress Hui. What? I said it right. Yes. Thank you. First try. First try. Thanks. Yep. Settle, settle, settle. <laughs> and uh, to look inside them without damaging the team used x-rays at high resolution, when they analyzed the images of an adult female, they found something shocking. Coiled, says adult female, coiled <laughs> threads of sperm. Now, here's the coolest thing. <clears throat> the previous record holder for the oldest ostracod sperm is 17 million. That's from Australia. The oldest sperm ever discovered was from a 50 million year old worm. So this 100 million year old sperm surpasses both records. And this sperm isn't just old, it's giant. It's got giant sperm. Uh, The team found that when uncoiled, it would have been almost half as long as the animal itself. These mega sperm would have had the advantage as they race through long coils to the female eggs. And of course, that's the same strategy that fruit flies employ with their giant mega sperm. You will see megasperm in the title of this episode now. <laughs> so pretty cool. Anyway, that's just some neat sperm news. Anytime I find fishy sperm news, I include it. Speaking of which, speaking of which, would you eat sperm? I mean, from a fish. From a fish, you guys, settle down. Settle down. All right, so this is uh, from 10best.com. It's a food blog at this point, uh, and I'm going to read you part of the blog. And this is written by, let's see if I can find her name for you. Her name is Jessica Thompson. And this is a pretty new article. Within my first month living in Japan came my first date in Japan. And with my first date in Japan came my first experience eating piscine semen. On her first date, really? Usually semen eating from piscines happens on the third date. Uh, Anyway, Uh, but there, (laughs) I don't even know where I was going with that. But until this point in my life, I hadn't considered the existence of, let alone, the prospect of eating fish semen. But there I was in my labyrinth of alleyways in in Japan uh, at a tiny seafood restaurant filled with locals eating all kinds of stuff. Raw squid, uh, known as the fogra of the sea, uh, kenimasa, uh, which is um, crab brains, which is, by the way, gross. I've had that. Now it came a bowl containing what looked like a raw human brain. It was topped with some sliced spring onion. Nothing says delicious like sperm topped with onion. <laughs> this milk was instra- extracted entirely from a fish, and it looks like the result of a human lobotomy. Depending on the level of seminal fluid contained in the sac, the color ranges from translucent to whitish pink uh, hue, you know, opaque, or it could be white as snow. Uh, Shirako is represented by kanji character, meaning white children. Mm. 
So when you are eating squid sushi, you are eating uh, white children, I guess. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. It sounds like a twisted uh, chauvinistic joke, but it's in fact entirely a real thing. And it's believed to be good for your skin and have anti-aging properties with high levels of protein, vitamin B12, and D. Anyway, I'm going to tell you, she ended up eating this stuff, and she described it as a sticky, viscous, raw egg. But she kept up, and uh, she has a policy she lived her life by, which is, which is try everything once food policy. And that's a good food policy. Now, I know Hugo, our uh, food correspondent, who we haven't heard from for a long time, has experimented with eating fish uh, sperm. I've eaten lots of fish eggs in row. Maybe this winter I'll catch a fish to the ice, and maybe I will harvest these sperm sacks, and maybe I... No, I'm not going to do it. I think some things aren't edible, and I think maybe that's okay. <laughs> you don't have to eat everything all the time. In fact, tonight I, I was eating prime rib dinner, and I cooked, uh, I cooked myself, and I cooked broccoli rob with it. And what I learned quickly is broccoli rob is not food. It just doesn't. So you don't have to eat it all. So don't bother... Anyway, that is Fish in the News. All right. So that was Fish in the News, and we appreciate uh, Diana's bath salt for the music for that. Makes it great. Let's put some happy music back on. I'll just leave that playing in the background for a few minutes here because I want to talk about Patreon some more. I don't talk about it a lot, but I, but I should. Currently, I don't have any advertisers on the podcast. We'll have one next week. I got a plan for one. But we make our money entirely from donations from listeners. I make a show every week because I think you're going to like it. So if you get any value out of this show at all, if you've ever gone home and thought, man, that was a lot of fun, I can't wait for next week's episode, I'm going to encourage you to go to patreon.com fishnerds and donate at the $5 per month level. If you do that, I'm going to mail you some decals. I'm going to send you a link where you can download uh, the Fish Nerds theme song as a ringtone or the Fish in the News theme as a theme, as a, as a ringtone. Uh, and I'll really appreciate you doing it. Uh, I'm also going to be putting up bonus material up there so you'll be able to access that at all. But again, if you get value from this show, give us a little bit of money. Help us out a little bit. That's quite literally the only reason I can afford to have a show is because of Patreon. Right now, we don't make a ton of money, but we make enough to cover about a third of our operating expenses. I still have to work. My dream someday is to have the show big enough and enough listeners on Patreon where I can afford to just make a podcast. And if I did that, you'd be getting more than one a week, more than one every two weeks at the pace I've been going. Uh, And I'd have a team of people help me put this together. It'd be a better show, uh, the show I want to make. I still haven't made the perfect podcast yet. There's so much I want to do with it. Patreon.com slash fishnerds. This week, I'm going to read you everybody who has given us money over the past month on Patreon. And uh, starting next week, I'm going to do a monthly Patreon drawing. So if you're giving up the $5 a week or higher, I will give you prizes. Well, you'll get entered into a hat to win prizes. So here are our heroes, the people who keep this, this ship floating from Patreon, our Patreon subscribers right now. James Paul... Mick Neal from North Carolina, Brian Barber from Missouri, Knitting Daddy Greg, who makes a podcast, by the way, uh, from Greenboro, North Carolina, Luke Ovgard, no one knows where he lives, Kevin Jones from Florida, 
and Gregory Sitzman from Indiana. Kate from Massachusetts. No one knows her last name. Dave Williamson from Connecticut. And Manga Bay, the news service, supports us. Tim Beat, one of our correspondents, supports us. We like that our correspondents are giving us money. We love Tim. He does our essays. Joe Pardo, Super Joe Pardo, who also makes a podcast. Clarksboro, New Jersey. Bradley from nowhere. <laughs> Didn't give me his address. Matt Phillippe gives us money. He's from Virginia. Olaf Nelson from Illinois. Chandler Dobson, no idea where he lives. Uh, Soju the Devil uh, from California. There you are, podcasting team. Cody, Cody Fondy. <laughs> Cody Fondy. I got fish in the brain from Texas, Cotty. Mark Peeper from Iowa. We like Mark. Christopher Engelbert from Rhode Island. Mike O'Kee from Maryland. We got Nicholas Craig from Kentucky. Chad O'Leary from Arizona. Michael Steffen from Maine. Alan Byrne from Dublin, Ireland. Renegade Clock, another podcaster giving us money from Oregon. Courtney D. Don't know her last name. From Los Angeles or Louisiana. I don't know the difference. Anthony DiPolito, also from uh, Pennsylvania. Jock and Nerd Podcast gives us money. They're from Illinois. Jonathan Sutter from Illinois. Lycan Rancourt from New Hampshire. My friend Bethany Metz gives us $25 a month. He gives us that much, and every week I will say the name of your business online. Bethany did not have a business. She just gave me money. That's awfully nice. Uh, Brian Wallenzek. Wallanziak. <clears throat> Brian W. Gives us <laughs> some money. He's from Connecticut. Sean Bradbury. No idea where he's from. Ed Hint. He is from Glossop, Derbyshire, Great Britain. Rich Collins, our fly fishing correspondent. Andrew Lewin from Speak Up for Blue Podcast. We have a lot of podcasters. Kevin Kupzik gives us some money from Nebraska. Josh Lopes. LopesTax.com gives us money at $25 a month. He's a tax guy. Reed Sutter gives us money, and he is from, is it Alabama? Might be. Fish Guy Josh, one of our correspondents, gives us money. He is from California. Big Buck Registry from the Big Buck Registry podcast gives us a little bit of money. David Redden from Maryland. Ray Layton from England. Lindsey Freeman. By the way, Ray Layton was my juggling partner in high school. Uh, Lindsey Freeman gives us money, and she's from New York. Jeff Danielton, our effing librarian from Missouri, and Ryan from Massachusetts. Those are our Patreon subscribers. We really, 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 really appreciate all you do. We literally could not make this show without your support. So that's it. You've listened to a bunch of fish nerds when you should have been fishing. Special thanks to Scuba Sonia and Gerald and the Crappy Hippie. And big thanks to Wally Pleasant for making us our theme music. Again, thank you to all the Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash fishnerds. Until next time, follow the code of the fish nerds, spawn early and often, never trust a free lunch with strings attached, and swim against the current every chance you get. Next week, we're going to talk to an old friend of ours who uh, invented a new trolling outfit. He has a Kickstarter coming up, and we'll talk all about it. So stay tuned for that, and feel free to sing along. Fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets. Fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. Just for the halibut. 
fried in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like you're in Siam. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast. That's it. You've listened to a podcast. Should have been doing anything else, but you weren't. Crickets. I hear crickets. Once again.